This is 1 in 44, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. 1 in 44 is a weekly show devoted to autism spectrum disorder. Good morning and welcome to 1 in 44, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Alex. I'm going to get your name hopefully right. Alex Prisgintas? That was excellent. Well, (laughs) thank you. I'm glad I didn't completely mess it up. Um, Alex is joining us um, to talk about, I think, a lot of things. And uh, I appreciate that you reached out to us. I know that you lecture. I know you're an author. I know you're an incredible musician. You're a historian. Um, So I would love to just invite you to jump in to your story wherever you want to start and start telling us about yourself and, um, and your passions and We'll, we'll go from there. I may pepper in some questions. Sure, of course. You mentioned a great term, I think, starting off first, and that was my passion for listening and learning about the stories of our region, as well as sharing them with the regional public. Mm-hmm. One of my earliest memories that I like to share involves another aspect that complements uh, my position on the autism spectrum, which is my synesthesia. And uh, for those with a basically just a, um, a general description of synesthesia, it's the crossing of the nerves inside. So certain, uh, for instance, sequences, I uh, get corresponded to colors. Uh, for instance, I have perfect pitch. So every note has a corresponding color. But synesthesia mm-hmm. also works when driving, almost creating a virtual roadmap in my head to help with memorization. And uh, one of my earliest memories is driving with my father to a preschool um, that was probably about a 15-minute drive from me and immersing myself in the geography of the region on those drives. I can vividly remember, in fact, my father and I both driving and naming every street along the way, every street sign. And yeah. so that really was the first step in implanting um an interest in the region. And as he said, first, uh, through objects, um, I am of, of 2021, a uh, graduate undergraduate student at Marist College, graduated December 2021. I uh, had a major in history with a minor in Hudson River Valley Studies and public mm-hmm. history, graduated summa cum laude. Um, but prior to being a historian, I was really fascinated in the objects. And I do like to consider myself first and foremost a collector. In fact, uh, the audio won't see, but in the background, you can see some of my railroad library on a display. I there can are, see that. Yes. Mm-hmm. There are different other uh, genres I collect. Some of my more prominent topics are uh, dairy uh, farms, historical dairy farms and milk bottles from Orange milk County. Milk bottles, right. Yeah. Yes. As well as um, regional railroad history and items from the uh, Sullivan County and Ulster County, I should mention, uh, Borscht Belt Catskill Hotels. In fact, a museum is opening for that in Ellenville, New York, and I am on their advisory board. Oh, very um, cool. So all of these items were really aspects of my early uh, realm in connecting. There's a lot of people I have to uh, thank for that in supporting me for uh, most importantly, uh, my parents, both my mother and father, who at an early age embraced how I was as an autistic child. Uh, they admittedly both supported and celebrated who I was and never sought to change that. Um, they tossed a lot in my direction in the hopes of finding what might flourish. And with that knowledge, they were very thankful in supporting me with opportunities, books, projects, travel, and of course, the artifacts that helped me to create who I am. Yes. That's. A, I, I want to interrupt you just for a second. We have a little bit of a crossover between the two of us. So my grandfather was a musician, uh, and he played at some of the hotels up in the Catskills. Oh, wonderful. Um, yep. In the probably, I'm guessing the 40s. No, maybe earlier, the 30s. Um, and he and my grandmother met on a trip up there from Brooklyn. She was a governess, okay. and he was growing up to be in the band. Um, and my father, one of my favorite things to do with my dad when I was young, and something he did with um, 
he's done with with his grandchildren is uh collect find and collect bottles of all kinds um in the woods of uh orange county where i grew up in new york and also um up in this uh area in ulster county and dutchess county so um so as you're talking you're already bringing just personal memories to my mind so i hope that that's happening for some of our listeners as well continue please some connections i see you're an orange county resident as well locally so as i stated early on really first and foremost i was a collector in many ways this was an escape from what i consider to be a turbulent environment one of the early aspects to that which i still enjoy is i have a trainer out in the other room and um it was almost an escape for me, especially during my uh, elementary and middle school years, which is with uh, certain aspects of my autism where I struggle at times. And I think decoding facial cues mostly during the time was a challenge. In some ways, though, it kept me clear of silly situations that many teens might experience. I tend to be more pragmatic and practical, so I seek solutions for immediate and long-term problems without getting too tied into emotional issues, as, of course, the train room was a way for me to release any excess energy come from the day. Just a air of relaxation music, which we can get into later, is also a source. Yeah. Understanding facial cues and getting bogged down with some social matters tend to not necessarily impact me as much. Uh, I understand it might take might make me seem aloof and uninvolved, but it really keeps me distant from the vicissitudes of daily life. And though, yes, I easily get lost in my work and world, my father often says that I act like a true New Yorker and I can be in the midst of millions, but yet alone, but not lonely so much in terms of being not around a lot of people, but simply alone in my work and passions. Mm, great. Your dad sounds like he really is. Uh, you guys have spent a lot of time together. Yes, we most certainly have. In mm. fact, in my current uh, musical tour where I go to many different organizations, libraries and assisted living facilities, he is my very supportive roadie. Oh, excellent. That's great. That's Thank great. Um, so, so you you talk about the train uh, being sort of an escape from a turbulent environment. I think that's something that a lot of listeners and a lot of people can uh, relate to, um, probably whether they're on the autism spectrum or not. Um, I think people, generally speaking, look for some way to release that buildup of whether it's anxiety or just social pressures or a way to, to kind of let loose. Um as you've grown up, because you talked about doing that as an elementary school age person, and now you're an adult. So as you've grown up, has your experience when you're or what you're feeling when you're in that room um, decompressing would be what I would call it, maybe. Um, has that feeling changed and evolved or do you, is it very reminiscent of how you used to feel when you were a younger kid? There are still some reminiscent aspects, but I do certainly think it's evolved uh, since mm-hmm. I've particularly graduated from high school. Um, I have been in certain situations that have allowed me to uh, understand the intricacies of society better. I'd like to provide two examples, one being very broad, my experience at Marist College. Um, I was a commuter student, currently uh, now being a master's of public administration student, I'm online. But commuting to college from Central Valley to Poughkeepsie allowed me to essentially open up more from what was originally more of a closed-off atmosphere, and that allowed me to almost in a way, um, exemplify some freedom uh, within my work. Complementing that for two years, I served as um, the president of the Hudson Valley Bottle Club. That was from 2018 to 2020, which is a really neat story of how that began as well. Um, much earlier on, this was probably four years before then, I attended an auction in Montgomery, New York, in Orange County to bid on a few milk bottles from Port Jervis. This was when my uh, milk bottle collection was still relatively minor. 
And uh, there were two individuals that were bidding on the same lot. And when they noticed at that time I was in eighth grade, a little younger, they chose to back away. Uh, what ended up happening is one of the individuals um, wanted some bottles in this particular lot that were not what I wanted. So a trade was worked out. And the yeah. other individual at the time was the president of the Hudson Valley Bottle Club and brought me into their organization. And being the president of an organization like that and taking the lead for two years allowed me, again, to learn many aspects of interacting with society, with members, as well as coordinating a yearly event. We had the Hudson Valley Bottle Show. That would be the third Sunday of um, every August in Poughkeepsie, New York. And now, actually, just as a few weeks ago, Ago, um, in April, I was elected as president of my town's historical society, the Woodbury Historical Society, so I can continue to evolve and develop those skills. Congratulations! That is quite that is quite a, uh, a story and and a great couple of great examples. Um, I read that there's a lot. I want to put out there that there's a lot on your website. So could you take a second and just give your your the name of your website for any listeners who want to dive into this a little further after the after the program's over? Certainly. Uh, my website is uh, just my name, alexprisgintas.com. Uh, would you like me to spell it out? <laughs> sure. You might as okay, well. <laughs> sure. So Alex, uh, P as in Peter, R-I-Z as in zebra, G as in George, I-N-T as in Thomas, A-S as in Sam. And on my website, you will find... A great deal of material that shows my work as a historian, a lecturer, and a musician, as well as my press releases, my published works as an author, and um, various different videos of my uh, musical compositions and renderings. I think it's a great website. It's full of information. I checked it out. And so I think um, I would just definitely follow that up with, um, if you're a person who uh, is autistic, if you are raising a loved one on the spectrum, but also if you're very into um, music, his history bottles collections and just reading a really great story about you alex um from from when you were very young to where you are today um there's something there for everybody so and also ways to contact you i know i saw that as well um so quick question for you definitely off the subject but you mentioned central valley i'm wondering if you're a graduate of monroe woodbury high school yes i am so am i (laughs) Wonderful. So uh, we're both crusaders, but obviously at different times, I'm just a bit older than you. But um, but it's really it's really interesting to me that, um, again, I, I know uh, just from growing up in that area, how rich it is. And some of my high school friends that I still am connected to through social media go hiking in the same areas we used to when I was growing up um, and still find bottles and post them today. And it's an incre- I recall it being just a really rewarding uh, experience because what I remember anyway, the way I did it was that you just, you went in kind of with the hopes that you would find something, but it immediately was an adventure where you could find nothing. You could find something amazing. You could find a bunch of the same ones that kind of tell a story. Um, and so I just, uh, I really appreciate you sharing this today because I, I knew you'd be a very interesting person. I wasn't aware that we were going to have all this sort of background in common. So that's very cool. Um, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I want to ask you specifically about those stories behind objects and sure. a little bit more about your music and and why you choose to um, put yourself out there and lecture and what your hopes are and plans are for the future. Forward to it. Thank you. All right. This is 1 in 44, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozinski, and we'll be right back. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way to get inside each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. 
Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. It's been said that when someone you love has Parkinson's, you have Parkinson's. The Parkinson's Foundation knows that the disease doesn't just affect the diagnosed. It affects everyone who supports and helps care for them. If you or someone you know is living with Parkinson's, a neurological disease that affects movement, we understand that it can be difficult to know where to find help. If you have questions, the Parkinson's Foundation has answers. Answers for everyone in the fight. We can help you understand the disease. Help you find expert care and local support. Give you tips for living a better life. And share the latest research. Find your answers and join us in the fight against Parkinson's. To learn more, please go to parkinson.org. Or call 1-800-473-4636. That's 1-800-473-4636. The Parkinson's Foundation. Better Better lives together. And now, 1 in 44 continues on 100.7 WHUD. This is a weekly community affairs program presented by the Anderson Center for Autism. Welcome back to 1 in 44, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and I'm talking with Alex Priz... I'm going to mess it up this time. Alex Prisgintas. Um, all right. Um, and uh, Alex has been sharing, you've been sharing a lot about your passions, your um, collections, um, your experience growing up um, uh, on the autism spectrum and, and sort of how that affected you. And, and maybe you, you made some choices about certain ways of, um, of coping with things, situations that may have felt overwhelming. Um, so I appreciate all of that. We kind of left things um, with your entree now as a young adult into leading these organizations um, that are all about, uh, you know, history, local history, coinciding with your uh, educational degree. Um, so can you, there's something on your website that I read a few times, which is story behind object. Um, and I love story. Um, in my work, it's all about being able to help somebody connect to the work we do at Anderson by way of um, stories about what goes on here every day. Um, so for you, can you give an example or just talk about what that phrase means to you and why it's important? I most certainly can. I think <laughs> the best way to uh, do that would be in describing uh, an aspect of my collection we've discussed before, and that is milk bottles. Yeah. After collecting at this point would have been for probably about three to four years, I gave my first uh, iteration of what's now one of my more popular topics, Orange County's dairies and their milk bottles. That was back in 2015 for the Hudson Valley Bottle Club. And when I gave that lecture, the important thing to note, it was based solely on the bottles themselves mm-hmm. with no other background of the history. And for the audience of mostly bottle collectors, that worked very well. But as I started to debut this lecture in other settings, such as historical societies and regional organizations, it began to, uh, it became apparent that I needed to learn more about the history behind these objects, as you stated. And what really delved into was a research, in this case, behind Orange County's history of uh, marketing, shipping, and producing fluid milk, and led to some really breakthrough discoveries for my own research and later be others uh, for a few examples. Um, in the spring of 1842, Orange County was the first place in the country where milk was shipped by rail to New York City. 
uh, we were some of the earlier locations uh, for early milk bottle uh, uses during the late 1870s and early 1880s. Uh, some other important products in, in the uh, dairy world, like uh, Philadelphia cream cheese and the Velveeta and Liederkranz brands of cheese were also invented in Orange County. And by the 1880s, total, including dairy farms and others, we had over 4,000 operating in Orange County. So in really defining the stories behind these objects, yes, I started as a collector, almost just, I wouldn't call the word hoarder necessarily, but <laughs> it was almost a game, you could say. And now when I find objects, it's more of a mystery and a story behind uh uh, really looking into the hands that touched and used these artifacts from the past and trying to tease out the stories from that past. That's really cool. Great explanation, Alex. Thank you. And um, and it's really great to hear that what started for you um, with one purpose or an initial purpose has now expanded and kept you focused and interested and also expanding that um, that knowledge to all these places and people that you're speaking to. Um, which brings me to my next question, which is um, in addition to milk bottles of, of Orange County and, and this area um, and the history of those, what other, I guess, either what topics do you uh, lecture on otherwise and also why? Why do you why do you feel that it's important to share what you're passionate about and what you know with other people? That's a wonderful question. So my topics for lectures tend to evolve. Uh, I um, they, they evolve in somewhat of an organized fashion over time. Uh, so my more popular topics are, of course, in the glass world. I do, of course, dairies and milk bottle of Orange County, New York. But on the same subject, I also do a program on the Ellenville Glass Works, which was once a prominent industry on the border of Orange and Ulster counties, which in the 1880s employed over 700 people. And I also have a, another lecture that fits almost in between called the Art of Bottle Detecting, which I do with my father in tandem. And with those, we just bring a variety of all different kinds of antique bottles. And uh, we and we go through 18 questions with the audience to figure out methods of how to better date and identify your antique glass. Cool. I also great deal of lecturing on uh, local railroads. One of my more popular is on uh, Edward Henry Harriman's Incline Railway. Harriman, of course, was a railroad tycoon that passed away in Orange County in 1909, and his home, Arden House, is still located between Central Valley and the village of Harriman, which is uh, named after him. Uh, that tends to be a more popular example, as it is, uh, you could say, one of the more overlooked inclined roads in the Hudson Valley compared to the other two popular lines, which would have been Mount Beacon in Beacon, New York, and the Otis elevating incline railway near Tannersville, uh, New York. Mm -hmm. Another area I'm also getting interested in is early settlers of the Hudson Valley. And that was actually with my more recently published works, the New York Archives magazine on uh, Louis Moses Gomez and the Gomez Millhouse, which is uh, considered to be the earliest Jewish settlement in America located along the borders of Orange and Ulster counties, uh, technically in Marlboro, actually a town in Newburgh because it's on the Orange County side. Uh, but again, that's a really interesting story. Not only analyzing Gomez's story originally from Spain, uh, fleeing from the Spanish Inquisition and then coming to uh, New York between 1700 and 1705, but also viewing how his home has evolved through three centuries of history. Very interesting. Um, 
I like that. I appreciate you sharing this sort of how these are organically created, these new topics. Um, the idea of, of sitting you know, in a lecture with you, with you and your dad um, going through those 18 questions is really fascinating to me. Again, I think in part, maybe because I, it makes me think of times when I was younger hiking with my dad. Um, I grew up right near Harriman. I grew up in tuxedo. So right down the Wonderful. street, that was, that was our hiking go-to location. Um, so uh, anybody listening, if you have not heard of Harriman's State Park or that area, check it out. It's absolutely gorgeous. There's a ton of places to go and explore. There's beautiful lakes, um, but also a tremendous number of trails, some more traveled and some less traveled. Um, so I think you can get a little bit of whatever you're looking for. All right. One thing we haven't really touched on, and we're, we're down to the last just about four or five minutes of our interview today, Alex, is music. You said earlier that, um, that you have perfect pitch and that every sound that you hear is associated with a color that you see is that correct Did that I get is correct, that? yes all right so i have heard that not often but i've heard that from a couple of other people that i've had the pleasure of speaking to um that that sense that or that the fact that that colors take on or sounds take on a specific color um when did music enter your life uh and and you know i know you play cello and piano but what you know what are your what are your thoughts on that do you enjoy it is it is it is it a com- competitor to the history and the bottle, um, you know, the bottle collecting or is it, you know, how do you work those two things together in your life? Sure. So music has always been a part of my life. Both of my parents are musicians by trade. My mother actually taught in the Munroodbury system for over 30 years. Um, cool. In terms of being a, I like your use of the word competition with history. I would not say that at all. Uh, Music for me, much as in the train room, the model train room I discussed earlier, is more of a release for me um, than um, a focus. And at this current time, it's actually proving to be uh, quite a uh, useful means of generating business. Uh, Over time, I both classically trained, as you mentioned, on the piano and the cello, but particularly with the cello, I like to push the limit of the instrument, and recently I've been doing that by adding two particular tools. One is a Boss RC300 looping station, which can allow me to record tracks both in advance as well as to uh, record tracks live, almost like a one-man show. If you've seen any popular bands, especially uh, guitar players in particular, they often use looping stations in their performances. Also, much like guitar players, I also incorporate uh, guitar effect pedals into the cello. So I use a distortion pedal, a delay pedal, and the iconic wah-wah pedal from 1960s and 70s <laughs> rock and roll bands. And mm-hmm. so through that, um, I've developed a program called Bach to Rock. It's my main foundation program, among many others now, that was started towards the end of uh, 2021. And at the time, I was hoping for maybe two or three bookings a month at different locations, whether they be libraries, assisted living facilities, or other organizations. Now, since then, it expanded to an average of two to three a week, with some weeks having even four. My my goal in 2022 was uh, for 60 bookings, and I actually ended that year with 72. Uh, this year's goal is 100, which means that each quarter I need 25 bookings, and so far, the first two quarters have 25 each. We're actually exceeding that. I believe I'm now between 85 and 90 for the year, so I'm currently taking advanced bookings up to December, and I hope that I'll exceed that goal of 100 events. That's wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I also, it's going to sound silly after all these connections, but I also come from a family of musicians and very musically uh, inclined people. Um, My dad was also a music teacher for most of his career until he became a school administrator. Um, Excuse me. Um, 
So I wonder if I, I just keep thinking there's maybe some connection there that, you know, we can keep mysterious for now, but it's just a very cool thing to think about. Um, for our listeners, I want to draw your attention again to Alex's website. It's Alex Prisgintas, um, P-R-I-Z-G-I-N-T-A-S. Um, and, uh, Check it out. You oh, you have a lot of YouTube videos up there um, and a lot of information about how to contact you, how to contact you regarding bookings, both for musical performances as well as lectures. Um, the, the I listened to a couple of the Bach to Rock. Um, I looked it up myself. Um, it's really just wonderful music. And, um, and I always appreciate anybody who's got talent like yours, who's willing to share it with the world, because I think music, music is an incredibly important part of so many of our lives because it does provide that's something else for that part of our brains that that doesn't get it from other places it's it can be soothing it can be inspiring um it can evoke memories um and and your music certainly did that for me so thank you so much for sharing all of that and um let's help alex get to his at least his hundred goal for this year thank you bookings. And, and if uh, anyone yes if anyone has any general questions about my experiences or my work you're more than welcome to reach out through those means as well and i'd be happy happy to answer any questions fabulous alex thank you so much for coming on the show today and telling your story and sharing a little bit more about yourself with our our listeners i really appreciate it it's a pleasure thank you for having me today absolutely this is one in 44 the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder i'm your host eliza bozenski and remember anderson cares you've been listening to one in 44 a weekly presentation of the anderson center for autism join us for another edition of the show at this time next weekend 